Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks and hacks for a way to live better. Okay, so today's podcast is with a One Year No Beer superstar, Dr. Alan Desmond, who I've become really friendly with over the last four years. Our sort of stories have jived together in many ways. As One Year No Beer has developed, so has um, Alan's career, not only as a gastroenterologist, but also as a plant-based advocate. Um, And to give you the full bio, I guess, for Alan, he's a consultant gastroenterologist, and an advisory board member of the Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, a charity that educates doctors, health professionals, and members of the public on the health benefits of a plant-based diet. Um, Alan's certified in both gastroenterology and general internal medicine. Uh, Dr. Alan completed his specialist training in Cork, Dublin, and Oxford. Um, he also enjoys cooking and eating a varied whole food plant-based diet, which he shares loads of this stuff on Instagram. It's brilliant. You know, it's real high quality photos of food. It doesn't get boring. And with every, he mentions this in the podcast, every time he posts a meal, the ingredients are there and some science behind it. It's really worth checking him out on Instagram. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. And he's also put together a wonderful course with some great friends of ours, The Happy Pair. Stephen and David Flynn called the Happy Gut Course. This comes up in the podcast, but just to remind everyone, we've got a discount code for all our One You Know Beer members. It's OYNB20. That's a 20% discount, OYNB20. And I am going to do the next six weeks course. I'm going to take part as a participant. Um, We believe it starts early March. So if you want to come and join me on the next course, do sign up to the Happy Gut Course com so that's www.happygutcourse.com anyway enough from me let's hear from the man himself dr alan desmond alan welcome to the one year no beer podcast andy thanks for having me here i mean it's such an honor to be on the one year no beer podcast i've been following you guys for years now in many ways the whole one year no beer phenomenon has been a real part of my own personal development in the last few years. I'm a huge podcast fan. I'm a huge fan of your podcast, so thanks for having me on. Ah, oh, fantastic. And um, did you notice how I went straight into podcast voice there? when I came Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then yeah, I suddenly can... went into podcast mode. But anyway, right, so we're... Yeah, there. lights, cameras, action, go. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what you touched on something there that's really important just to kick this off is that you know, we've known each other really since the sort of very early days of one, you know, beer and both our stories and our personal development and all, you know, things in our lives have evolved over the last few years, almost simultaneously, I think, which has mm-hmm. been really exciting. And we're going to dig uh, a bit deeper into some of that uh, a bit later. But first of all, I thought we'd just kick it off. What brought you to the one, you know, beer challenge originally? Yeah, well, it, it was it was kind of an accident, really. So um, I'm a consultant gastroenterologist. I'm a doctor. I work on gut health predominantly, as well as general medicine. And I guess through my professional life, I'm afraid I see the sharp end of alcohol-related problems. I mean, we all know the UK alcohol uh, stats. You know, 80% of UK adults drink alcohol. 
more than a quarter of those people are drinking in a hazardous pattern. We've got 9,000 alcohol-related deaths per year in this country. And alcohol, unfortunately, um, despite the advertising hoardings, um, really what alcohol is all about is at the sharp end within the NHS is accidents, cancers, impaired mental health, and lost productivity. So I guess because I deal with that all the time in my job, I was kind of primed really to come to One Year No Beer. And I mean, I spent so much of my time, Andy, at work asking people to quit alcohol, but I was very aware of the fact that I was drinking alcohol. Um, I've heard you and Ruri obviously very, um, very uh, beautifully describe how in your job in brokering, alcohol was absolutely wrapped up and baked into it. And, you know, that you couldn't be a successful broker without alcohol, or that was the thinking. You might be surprised to hear that really um, alcohol is a bit wrapped up in doctoring as well. I mean, I qualified medical school in 2001. Um, for the next eight or 10 years, I was working as a junior hospital doctor to become a specialist. And for most of those years, I was working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week, 36-hour shifts. And as a doctor in training, particularly in the hospital, it's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you could be on any 36 hour shift, you can go from doing some filing work to signing results to assisting at the resuscitation of someone who's taken a drug overdose to be in that kind of ER moment where they're, you know, the needles are going in and it's really life and death explaining to somebody that that's something terrible has happened to them or to their relative. Um, and it's a complete roller coaster. And unfortunately, I think that the main tool that we all had as trainee doctors to deal with that stress is we would walk out of the hospital after a 36 hour shift, absolutely pumped and absolutely exhausted. And we'd walk across the road to the friendly pub and you'd always meet some other doctors in there who were coming off shift. You'd have one or two pints and you'd go home and, you know, fall asleep and get up in the morning and do it all again. Now, as I became a grown-up doctor and, you know, graduated becoming a consultant, um, those patterns faded away and those drinking patterns faded away. But I was still going out for my four pints on a Thursday night, uh, maybe five pints if it was somebody's birthday, meeting all my friends. And on Fridays, I just wouldn't be productive. I just wouldn't feel like I was doing the best I could at my work. And then I'm a big podcast fan, and I heard you on a podcast um, with Matt Frazier. Oh, yeah, the, the, no meat the, no, the No Meat Athlete. Um, so I, I was listening to that because I was a fan of the Rich Roll podcast. I was looking for similar podcasts. And um, I heard you, and, you know, I think like a lot of people who've come to One Year No Beer, I, I just heard your message. And, you know, I, I said it to my wife. I said, you know, I've read about this or heard of this One Year No Beer thing. Um, I'm thinking of doing One Year No Beer. Um, I'm doing a Spartan beast in 90 days anyway. So I'm going to use this 90 days of this alcohol-free challenge thing to help me train for the Spartan beast. And that was great. Uh, Hannah, my wife, was totally supportive. My friends were totally supportive. When it came to the end of the 90 days, I was like, yeah, I'm not going back. I feel great. Um, you know, my, I'm so much more on a level now. I feel more productive at work. I feel more productive with the kids. I feel like a better dad. I feel like I'm exercising better. I, I finished the Spartan Beast, which I didn't think I would do. 
and I just moved forward with it. But I guess like a lot of your, um, a lot of your uh, participants, some of my friends thought I'd gone mad, you know, um, my wife, you know, when I told my wife, she said, she said, I said, look, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to do three, six, five. And she said, why? <laughs> she said, why? You're like, you, don't, you, you know, you, you, you like go one night a week, you have a few pints. It's a nice way for you to relax, uh, meet all the boys. Why? <laughs> but, but I just felt a lot more, I guess, happier and productive. And um, here we are, I think more than, I don't really keep tabs anymore, but it must be at least three years or coming up on three years. And uh, I, I, just, I haven't looked back. Jump in there. So you're still alcohol-free? Alcohol-free. I think I probably have a pint to Guinness maybe like four times a year. I usually have one on Christmas Day and very, very rarely the occasion comes up. So I think I'm like 99% alcohol-free. I I, I still haven't escaped that whole Irish thing. So as an Irishman living in the UK, every, you know, about three times a year, the circumstance comes up what's appropriate to um, have a pint to Guinness. And I, I don't view that as an issue. I think sometimes you come to a point where it's kind of, you know, is, is it perfection or progress? And some oh, very occasionally there's a circumstance, maybe that's just with the relative or, you know, just at some moment, particularly I don't see my relatives as much as I used to. So every now and then there's a point where just having that one pint to Guinness is appropriate and actually yeah. serves me. Um, but it's, but I, I don't, I don't ever feel the need to go for that second pint, you know? And as I said, it's probably like three or four times a year. And I think, um, that's a perfect place where lots of people aspire to get to. I think you take on the one, you know, be a challenge. I would say most people that come through the front door, you know, want to get to that place where Mm -hmm. they can choose to have a drink every now and again, you know, a handful of times a year on a certain occasion with loved ones or friends or whatever, um, and then just leave it. And I think yeah. Um, yeah. Where Absolutely. most people ultimately want to get to. But I just want to unpack a couple of things that you said there because it's really interesting. Firstly, around doctors and certain professions that mm. I know we have lots of doctors and medical um, staff that actually come to do the one, you know, be a challenge. Mm. One, because it's great and it works and for all those reasons that, that you suggested. And two, because I think there is a certain stigma within the medical profession that if you're seen to go to other stigmatized type of places that it could affect your career potentially. And I, I hear that feedback quite a lot that um, one, you know, beer becomes this great place in many ways for people to come and actually take a fun quote unquote alcohol free challenge. Yeah. And emphasize the positivity, right? Um, but, but I think, I mean, you guys drum this message home all the time. I mean, I, I spoke about the fact that unfortunately in my job, I see the, the very sharp end and the very tragic side of alcohol abuse, um, on a daily basis. But I would assume that 99% of the people on one year, no beer are perhaps a million miles away from that. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's just about realizing that actually I don't need to have those couple of pints on a Thursday night in order to be fun and interesting and have a good night. And I can wake up in the morning feeling awesome and have a really lovely breakfast, plant-based, obviously, we'll come to that later, yeah. but have a really yummy breakfast and just get on with my weekends. Just, um, you know, my, so my fitness routine, my other routines, my routine with the kids, my routine at work, none of that has to wax and wane week to week. 
based on the fact that I feel a social pressure to have a couple of pints on a Thursday night or whatever it is for an individual. Exactly. And, and I think it's that consistency that you just touched on there that changes everything. But I just want to go back to something that I'm interested in personally mm. is around motivation. Before we move on and we look at all the interesting stuff that you're doing with the Happy Pair and those guys, um, as you know, a frontline doctor, gastroenterologist, as you say, you see the hard line of, of what alcohol can do to people's bodies. I'm interested to know that when people come to you, for example, and they get to that point, and this is a question about motivation, do you feel that that's a wake-up call for most people or do you feel that lots of people still struggle to make lasting behavioral change, therefore they come back to you a year later or two years later? Because when I first discovered I the early signs of heart disease, mm. my cardiologist completely bulldozed through the fact, you know, he had or, or had little interest in my diet. Did, well, didn't even ask me. Didn't ask me about my diet. Didn't ask me how much I, I drank. It was just a case yeah. of, look, you've got this thing, take some statins, off you go. There didn't mm. seem to be, in my opinion, any confidence in people's ability to change, if you know what I mean, which I, I found really disappointing. Absolutely. Well, you know, having confidence in people's ability to change is something that you need to nurture personally on a daily basis as a doctor. Because unfortunately, we do see, I guess, the people who end up being hospitalized, particularly the people who end up getting hospitalized on a recurrent basis due to alcohol or uh, poor lifestyle choices, really are at the very sharper end, Andy, you know. Um, so it runs a gam it runs a gamut really, and it depends on that individual's circumstance. So I, I see lots and lots of people who would not view themselves as having a problem, and you might even argue that sometimes society doesn't view them as having a problem because all they're doing is they're cracking open a bottle of Merlot around noon, and they're usually finishing it by the time their partner gets home from work. And it's wine o'clock, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, there's posters in every, in every bar, in every supermarket, in every restaurant, it's wine o'clock. And in many ways, that sort of behavior is endorsed by society um, due to advertising and all the money that promotes um, drinking alcohol. So when I see those people and they end up sometimes in hospital or often just sitting with me at clinic, and I'll have a letter from their GP perhaps saying, yeah, I think this person might be drinking too much alcohol and their blood tests are off and I'm worried that they've had cirrhosis of the liver. For Often for those people, it's an absolute bombshell when I say to them, you know, I've had a look at your blood results. I've examined you. We've had an ultrasound scan and you are on the road to cirrhosis of the liver and everything that comes with that due to your alcohol consumption. And there is a certain group of people, Andy, for whom that is a huge wake-up call because they have young kids or they have family or they have jobs and they don't view themselves as having a problem until you tell them they have a problem. But there, there, there is, and, and then they make that change. And I've had so many success stories where people, you know, often people who make that success, make that a success, don't even need to come back and see me. So, you know, we just don't see each other anymore. And I've, I'm confident that they've made the change. Um, but unfortunately, we do have sort of a very small cohort of people who, well, I'm sad to say it, but they bounce in and out. You know, these are people with, you know, established cirrhosis of the liver and perhaps their alcoholism reflects other problems they're having with their life or their mental health. And in many ways, it's um, a symptom rather than the disease. 
And I think for some people, although they're really in the tiny minority, for some people, they just never manage to find the support and the motivation to get there. Yeah, I think that's that, that's so important. But it's refreshing to hear that, you know, lots of those people are using that as a wake-up call. And I think alcohol is one of those things. So many people have got no idea how bad it is for them. And I can just imagine that there's a whole plethora of people out there that, as you say, don't appear to have a problem by conventional standards, yet they're quite happy to crack open a bottle of wine most days. And then at some point, they come to see you and go, oh, how did that happen? I didn't, I didn't think that was absolutely fate. And and society endorses that sort of behavior, you know, yeah. it's, um, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the, well, you know, I'm not saying that having a couple of pints on a Thursday night, like I used to is a big problem, but unfortunately if you, if you're cracking open a bottle of wine and I, on a daily basis, and often when I ask people about their alcohol consumption and, um, you know, I've got a little bit of an advantage because I've seen their lab results and I've examined them and I've, you know, I've got an inkling of what their alcohol consumption is already before I ask them. My opening gambit is often, so do you drink, so what do you like to drink? And they say, I like, I drink wine. I say, well, you, do you drink more than a bottle a day? Would you get through a bottle and a half? That's my open, that's my opener, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and I think that gives people permission to tell you what they're really drinking. And um, I, I, I see a lot of people who would be viewed as successful and living a, a productive life and being a, you know, an upstanding member of society. And of course, they are an upstanding member of society, but somehow they've just slipped into this, you know, bottle, bottle and a half a day scenario. And often after a few months of that, they're going to end up sitting in front of someone like me, who's hopefully going to give them the encouragement to reverse things. To go to one year no beer. You want to go to one year no beer, absolutely. It's almost perfect. Um, oh, no, that's great. And uh, Yeah, I was just interested to see how that underlying motivation played out. And, mm. you know, as I say, I think it is that shock to the system, but then there's that proactive space that people find to make lasting change, which is, again, what one year no beer is all about, right? It's about Yeah, absolutely. And within the NHS as well, there, there are really good support networks and everything. They could always be better, I think. But there, there is support there and there's other great organizations out there, um, including the AA and not limited to that, which, which, which really do work for people and which people find really beneficial. And even people who do very, very well occasionally have a slip up. And if they are at the more severe end of the spectrum, they may well end up back in hospital. But that's not always a permanent issue. Uh, people are often able to pick it back up and carry on. Perfect. Um, and then just moving on then from the, the day job, as it were, towards this new sort of world that you're slowly stepping into which is getting more and more exciting which i'm personally really interested in because this is the yeah. whole idea of the plant-based vegan style diet and how it affects your gut health and your mind absolutely but but you know and it, and it's it's my job that really brought me to recommending this you know um, so, I mean, just for your listeners out there, if you've finished or you're during or you've accomplished your one year no beer journey and you've realized the difference that a positive change can make to your life, I mean, what I'm here to tell you really on the one year no year podcast is if you want to push things further, if you want to maximize your chance of having a healthy and long life, avoid long term disease and reduce your risk of long term medication, if you're interested in being leaner, and more athletic, more like Andy, um, yes. then, then really a, a plant-based diet, um, they, all of the medical evidence is really pointing us towards the fact that the more whole foods and plant-based 
uh, foods that you consume on a daily basis, the, the, the better. It's, it's a win-win. And really, it was um, my patients who brought me to this. I deal with a lot of patients on a daily basis with conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, colitis, diverticular disease, unfortunately, colon cancer, stomach cancer, esophageal cancer. And when, uh, when people are diagnosed with conditions like this, particularly with inflammatory bowel disease, which is a form of chronic inflammation within the lining of your gut, we have very good medications. And I've been very well trained to use these medications and other interventions to make people better. But they always ask, Andy, is it, Doc, is there anything I can do with diet? And I've been hearing people ask that question when they've been given a diagnosis um, since I was you know, a young doctor in 2002, 2003, when I was just beginning to develop my interest in gastroenterology as a field. So as a gastroenterologist, mo most of my patients have some tummy issues, whether it's irritable bowel syndrome or IBD or one of those conditions. But when you start reading the medical studies and going really, really deep into the evidence, and you've seen on my Instagram, I love posting that evidence, yeah. um, whichever one of those conditions you're trying to prevent or improve, I sort of ended up with this uh, checklist when I wanted to give my patients an evidence-based answer, and particularly for IBD, but also the other conditions I mentioned. When you trail through the evidence, what you want to be eating is whole foods. You want to be eating lots of fruits and vegetables and legumes and walnuts and flax seeds and whole grains. And the foods you really want to avoid, minimize, or take out of your diet completely are the processed foods, the artificially flavored foods, the pies and the chocolate bars and the the, you know, the cakes that stay fresh on the shelf for six months before you eat them. But equally, uh, minimizing your intake of animal protein, animal fat, dairy, and all those things like emulsifiers and food additives. These were the things that I kept coming back to. Um, whatever medical paper I read and whatever the motivation of the researchers, it, the, the signals coming back on that are very, very strong. So eventually, I found myself recommending people eat a whole food, plant-based diet in order to prevent and even treat their gastrointestinal problems. And the more I read about it, the more I realized that a whole food, plant-based diet is the same diet that the people who live in parts of the world where you can expect to have the longest, happiest, and healthiest life with the lowest risk of coronary vascular disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, colon cancer, diverticulosis, or in even inflammatory bowel disease. In those areas, which are, as, as you know, are referred to as the world's blue zones of longevity, um, people are eating a whole food plant-based diet. And if you want to call that vegan, you can call it vegan. Um, but really, my emphasis is on unprocessed whole foods of, of not of animal origin, of plant origin. Yeah, and this is again something I'm so passionate about because on my own journey through mm. one, you know, beer, I decided to make that change. And one of the big reasons behind that was I'd done the research, right? And this is so important. Something you hit upon there, you know, as the expert in this field, when you read the research you came to that conclusion. And I think that's really powerful. I know I went to watch one of your speeches um, before and the group that you're involved in of within the medical profession. Yes, yeah, uh, Plant-Based Health Professionals UK. Perfect. And, and there's a sort of slogan that you had. I'm sure it was, there's the doctors that have haven't read the science and there's the doctors that have read the science and the ones that have read the science are all plant-based. 
are all plant-based. And, and that's, a, that's a, a version of a quote from uh, Dr. Kim Williams, um, an American cardiologist and former president of the American uh, College of Gastroenterology. And a few years ago, he made this quote, which is, which is a meme now and is frequently reposted. He said there's two kinds of cardiologists, vegans and the ones who haven't read the data. And, it's, and actually, we've got Kim Williams coming right. to um, London in June for a meeting, actually. Um, so I'll send you the details for that if you'd like to come here, Kim, Dr. Kim Williams talk. Um, it should be a lovely evening. Um, but it's not just cardiology, Andy. It's gastroenterology. It's rheumatoid arthritis. It's type 2 diabetes. It's obesity. I mean, if you look, I, I mentioned these um, blue zones earlier. So the blue, about 16 years ago, um, a chap called Dan Butner, um, who was a writer and researcher for National Geographic, was given um, a task by National Geographic to go and do a feature on the areas of the world where people had the longest and healthiest lives. So he went off with a load of demographers and medical researchers and doctors, and they traveled all around the world. And looking at population data, they found these five areas around the world where people were really likely to be healthy and happy into their 70s, 80s, 90s, and even into their hundreds. And these areas were geographically diverse. So they found an area in Okinawa, Japan, in uh, Korea, in Greece, Sardinia, Italy. Um, there's an area in Costa Rica, in the Nicoya Peninsula. And there was even one in the United States, um, in Loma Linda, California, amongst Seventh-day Adventists. And within those populations, people were living very healthy lives. They were living longer than the people around them. So, for example, in Okinawa, the people eating a traditional Japanese Okinawan data, or, uh, diet excuse me, had the longest disability-free life expectancy in the world. They were living seven good years longer than the average American. They had one-fifth the rate of breast cancer and colon cancer, one-sixth the rate of cardiovascular disease, and you were five times more likely to make it to the age of 100 and when Dan Butner's team traveled there, they found like guys in their 90s teaching martial arts or, you know, ladies in their 90s or hundreds who were out in their gardens gathering food and cooking meals for their great grandchildren. And as a doctor and as a gastroenterologist, I know that one of the, or perhaps the number one determinant of human health and longevity is the food that you're eating. And those Okinawans were getting 97 to 98% of the calories from what you might call a vegan diet, but it was an unprocessed vegan diet. So they were having complex carbohydrates and sweet potatoes and rice and grains and wheat and soy and legumes and vegetables and fruits and nuts. And they were hardly consuming dairy or fish or meat at all. I think 1% of their calories came from pork because they would have a little bit of pork on like religious feasts a couple of times a year. And that dietary pattern was repeated all over the world in all of those blue zones that I just mentioned. Yeah. And, the, and the, you keep coming back to the research and it's the same story, whole food, plant-based, get rid of the meat, get rid of the red meat, get rid of the processed meat, even think about getting rid of the poultry and the eggs and the dairy and discover the joy of a healthy, diverse, whole food, plant-based diet. And, you know, the, the impact I found personally um, in making that change, and I've seen with my patients and friends and colleagues, is certainly, I would think, just as powerful as the change you will find from um, setting off on your one-year no-beer journey.
Yeah, and, and I think it's that combination of the two can do the most amazing things. So I just want to pick up on a, on a couple of points there because this is super interesting. Firstly, The Blue Zones is a great book. I'd recommend that to everyone. I think uh, what Dan Butner's Dan Butner, yeah, Butner has done is fantastic. And um, what's really interesting about that, that whole process of The Blue Zones is this, and, and I've seen um, and listened to Dan quite a few times, mm. is that most of those people in those wonderful pockets or the blue zones their lives were sort of mapped out for them they didn't actually really mm. consciously wake up and think oh today i'm going to exercise or today i'm going to eat fresh. pretty much plant-based diet or today i'm going to make connection their lives were structured by luck more than judgment that's right in such a way that it led to these amazingly healthy lifestyles which is fantastic if you happen to be lucky enough to live <laughs> yeah. for everyone Absolutely. else like us it's so much more difficult, right? Because now we have to make proactive change. We have to go against the gradient, you know, like we've all done around alcohol or anyone listening to this that's changed their habits around alcohol. That is massively flying in the face of conventional wisdom of mm. where the herd are traveling. And it, it makes things exponentially more difficult to achieve, but they can be achieved. So you have to go out of your way to make these changes in your life. For example, changing um, the way you consume food. And for me, on my personal journey, that was part way into my alcohol-free adventure because I'd already mm. crushed conventional wisdom around alcohol. I knew it was rubbish. I didn't need it to be successful, fun, cool, whatever it was. It was complete nonsense. And I believed that for many years. So then I looked at my diet. I did the research. I didn't just pick up a magazine and go, oh, that looks interesting. I actually read the studies, read the books, and found out the best diet for me because at that point in my life, I discovered the early sign of heart disease. Mm -hmm. So when I'd done the research, I'd showed up on the calcium score. I should not have shown up on that score. I should have been a zero and I was like an eight. It was minimal, but early heart disease in my 30s is not a good thing. Um, and then based on the motivation and the encouragement that I had from my alcohol-free adventure, I started to change my diet. And here's the thing. Initially, I thought, you know, all my muscles were going to fall off. Maybe I wouldn't <laughs> be man if I stopped eating meat. My mum was the best one. When I told her I was moving towards this sort of vegan-style diet, she said to me, you can't do that. I was like, why? She went, well, because all your teeth will fall out. <laughs> and I was like, what are you on about? What did you mean my teeth will fall out? I went, Where did mums, you get mums are great. <laughs> yeah. And, and her response was this. She went, well, there was this one girl at school and I was like, mom, that was 60 <laughs> years ago, what are you talking about? Now she's my biggest vegan fan, by the way. But, you know, as part of that process, the only reason I had the courage and confidence to do that is because I'd already picked up the skills and the momentum from going alcohol free. And just to complete that story before we move on. Um, a year prior to me starting my alcohol-free adventure, I'd seen the cardiologist. As mentioned, I was showing the early signs of heart disease. I was freestone heavy. I was 15 and a bit stone at that point. My body fat was 30-odd percent. My heart rate was at like 72 or something, resting heart rate. Wow. Nothing was good. High blood pressure, everything was bad. I was totally unhealthy, unfit, and unhappy at the same time. Um, fast forward a year into my alcohol-free adventure, I went back again, combined with my plant-based diet, saw the same cardiologist. And when your cardiologist says the word astounding four times in yeah. a row, you know yeah. it's going to be a good session. And he looked at my stats and just kept saying the words. And this is the same cardiologist who just gave me the statins. 
astounding. This is astounding. astounding. I've just seen your results. You've lost 42 pounds. You've lost like three stone in weight. Your body fat's now down at 10%. Your, your blood, um, uh, blood pressure is much lower. Your cholesterol is bang on where it should be. Your resting heart rate has gone from like low 70s down into the 40. It was 48. Mm-hmm. So athletic 48. But best of all, and this was the best. Outstanding. He did the, the calcium score again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came back and he went, do you know what? This is strange. You, you, you've paused this, this heart disease. And he said, hold on. I just want to do something. I just want to talk to the actual radiographer. <laughs> he went out of the room, came back in and said, you're not going to believe this, but you've reversed the sign. You've reversed it. But, but Andy, that's, I mean, the thing is, that's typical. That is not unusual. So, so let's just talk about heart disease for a second, because as I said, it was um, preventing um, serious gastrointestinal problems like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and colon cancer. As a gastroenterologist, that led me to discover all the research on a whole food plant-based diet. But let's just for a moment for your listeners, let's just talk about heart disease, okay? So heart disease is the top cause of death in the UK. If you're going to put money down on what you're going to die from, it's going to be heart disease, coronary vascular disease. And we, we view it as inevitable because 160,000 people in the UK die of heart problems per year. That's about 23,000 people dying prematurely, so dying before their time. And we view it as inevitable, right? We think, okay, so maybe in my 40s or 50s, I'm going to need a blood pressure tablet and a statin. And then maybe in my 50s or 60s, I'll have angina. Then I'll get a couple of stents. And in my 70s, I'll probably get a heart attack and die. And we view it as just being inevitable. But it the fact is, it isn't inevitable. And researchers have known for years that if we look at societies like the Blue Zones, for example, um, where people eat are physically active and eat a healthy whole food plant-based diet, that there's hardly any heart disease. So uh, there's so much evidence we could talk about. I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to mention two studies, okay? So Journal of the American College of Cardiology 2014. Um, this was a study where they took 20,000 healthy men and these were middle-aged men who were followed for 12 years. So middle-aged men, 12 years. This is exactly where you'd expect people to start having heart problems, right? Because we think it's inevitable. And they looked at five heart-healthy habits. Not smoking, keeping your alcohol intake to a minimum, exercising on a daily basis, and eating the most fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, especially how plant-based is your diet, Okay, they found that if men in that group um, stuck to um, three of those five healthy habits, they reduced the risk of a heart problem by about 40 to 50 percent. So if they had moderately healthy habits, they reduced their risk of a heart problem moderately. Although I have to say a 50 percent reduction is pretty huge. The, the, the small number of men in that study And you would have been one of these guys, Andy, the small number of men who ticked all five boxes, who had all of those heart-healthy habits, reduced their risk of having heart problems by up to 94%. Essentially, they made themselves heart disease proof. And of course, we've seen studies over the years from Dr. Dean Ornish, from Dr. Esselstyn, and previously from from Nathan Pritigan, who wasn't a doctor, but was a healthy diet advocate who advocated a healthy whole food plant-based diet. And we've seen that not only does a healthy whole food plant-based diet prevent heart disease? But if you have it, it can reverse it. So it's those sorts of outstanding papers and research that brought me to recommending a 
whole food plant-based diet. And to be honest, um, you spoke earlier about the fact how your one year no beer experience gave you the confidence to make that change in your life. I, I, I think that my one year no beer experience gave me the confidence because of exercising my willpower and being more consistent and being more motivated. It gave me the confidence to start, to start making um, advocacy for a healthy whole food plant-based diet part of my practice, but also part of my practice in advocacy outside of the office and outside of the hospital. And I have to say over the last three years, it's taken me to some amazing places. Um, I presented at the UK's first conference on plant, the role of plant-based nutrition and medicine, which you were kind enough to attend. And I've similarly presented at Scotland's first um, conference on the same topic. Um, I'll be presenting in, in Dublin in a couple of weeks' time. And I've just come back from Melbourne, Australia, where I got to give a keynote at Australasia's first conference on the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. And I'm meeting your heroes, Andy. Um, so I got to sit and have a meal with um, Dr. Neil Barnard, um, who really is a doctor who's been uh, campaigning on the benefits of healthy whole food plant-based diet since the 1980s. So I got to sit with Neil, have a meal, have a chat, and watch well, him present. Well, so it's phenomenal. Yeah, of that one. Um, Neil Barnard is, again, one of my, I guess, what's the best word? Um, one of my heroes, I think, in the plant based uh, space in many ways is someone that I turn to all the time for, you know, my advice as it were through his books. And, you know, I'd always pick up on his podcast just because he really is at the cutting edge and he's got a really strong message and he's brilliant to listen to. So he's, he's got a really strong message and he, he, he gives his message in a very nice, understandable and not pushy way. The evidence speaks for itself. So if any of your listeners type Dr. Neil Bernard, that's N-E-A-L and Barnard, B-A- or an A or a D into YouTube, I'm sure they'll find one of his talks. I, I was lucky last week to hear him speak um, for several hours up close and personal. And the guy is an absolute powerhouse, you know? Um, Fantastic. But, but it's, it's been such a trip. And, you know, you mentioned earlier the work I'm doing, the happy pair, and that's a whole other story. But it, it's been equally just um, so much fun. Yeah, and we'll start to sort of unpack that a little bit now. I'm just remembering you came on one of the first masterminds that we did, didn't you? Um, I, th I think I came on as the very first yeah, mastermind. Yeah, 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 which was, absolutely. Which was great because we've got another one starting in March. On March the 4th, a brand new mastermind we're going to launch, which I'm super excited about. So I thought I'd just drop oh, it's such a, It's such a great process. Yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's been enjoying One Year No Beer and is thinking about kind of pushing the envelope you know and you'll also have time to get some one-on-one -on -one time with andy the ginger vegan who who can hopefully uh re reiterate some of the messages i've been giving you today on the podcast oh absolutely so let's just talk about <laughs> two more of my very good friends um the happy pair Stephen and david that you've teamed up with to create this happy gut course six weeks course I'm really interested in personally. And the reason I'm even more interested in this than normal is that in researching my next book um, on motivation, I ended up speaking to a um, Dr. Cryan. I don't know if you're familiar with this, this guy. He's actually yeah, uh, yeah, he's based in, in University College Cork, Cork um, at APC Microbiome Ireland. Yeah. Um, the, the microbiome expert. I, I was employed by APC Microbiome Ireland many moons ago. So um, I didn't right. work for Dr. Cryan, but my immediate supervisor is one of his close colleagues, Dr. Professor Fergus Shanahan. Um, so I was hearing about microbiome research 
um, you know, 2002, 2003, um, before it was really in the mainstream. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this stuff's fascinating. And again, I've been aware of it for the last few years, but I hadn't really connected the dots, as it were, until I started to do this research, started to speak to um, Dr. Cryan. Not only, you know, you hear a lot about probiotics and all these type of things and your gut health but it was really connecting with that second brain element you know that discovery that you've got these microbes and you've got trillions and trillions of microbes in your stomach that actually influence behavior i mean it was just blowing my mind and to learn that these same microbes produce neurotransmitters such as correct correct serotonin all of uh, GABA, you know, lots of these really important <laughs> neurotransmitters. It's so, uh, it's fascinating. It's so, phenomenal. So uh, I always say to people, you know, Andy, you are not alone. Even in your loneliest <laughs> moment, you are not alone because you've got up to 300 million microorganisms living in your gastrointestinal tract. Don't worry because it, by and large, they're there to help us. Um, we live in a really a beautiful symbiosis and the more I read the research, I, I have to say, the, um, the more I start thinking about has a higher power designed the human body? Because when you read about how the gut microbiome, how these trillions of microbes work so perfectly with the human body, really, I, I mean, I and many other uh, doctors and researchers would now regard the human microbiome as an organ uh, of its, in its own right. But it's such an incredibly diverse and flexible and versatile organ. Um, so not only, I mean, these bacteria don't just sit there, they help us to digest our food. They um, produce beneficial substances like um, short chain fatty acids. The more plant-based our diet, the better. We produce these short chain fatty acids will help us control our weight, help us to control our blood sugars, help prevent type two diabetes, help us to, uh, prevent to reduce our risk of becoming obese. And not only do these um, microbes have all these positive beneficial effects physically, but the, our understanding of the gut-brain axis and how the microbes in our tummies actively influence our thoughts and emotions on a daily basis is, is just really startling. It's such a fascinating area to, to read about um, and to learn more about. And, you know, I've been friends with um, Steve and Dave, Steve and Dave Flynn of The Happy Pair for a couple of years. And Dave had said to me a few times, um, look, we run this online course called The Happy Heart Course, which is really designed for people like you a few years ago, Andy, you know, who've had a bit of a, a cardiac scare or a high cholesterol scare or just want to discover the um, healthy benefits of a whole food plant-based diet. And what he really wanted to develop was an online course where we would teach people all about the gut microbiome, why it's so important, the things you can do to keep your gut microbiome healthy, and as well as guiding people through all of this incredible research. And we, most of the modules in the course use research has been done the last two or three years, so it's bang up to date. Um, but we also provide meal plans and shopping lists and online support and basically um, bring people through the process by the hand. We've got um, private Facebook groups where Steve, Dave, myself and Rosie Martin, our fantastic plant-based dietitian, are jumping in all the time. And once a week during the course, we have live Q&A sessions so you can ask Steve and Dave about what's the best way to cook something. You can run some medical questions by me or questions for a dietitian, Rosie. Um, so that's been the happy gut course. Um, 
And it, we specifically designed the Happy Gut course. Um, you probably, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your experience this, Andy, because when I go to conferences and I present to people and I talk about the benefits of a healthy whole food plant-based diet, or if I'm at any kind of meeting or event, I always get that question about gas and bloating when people move to a plant-based diet. So we've designed the Happy Gut Course specifically to tackle that problem. But if it's not too personal a question, Andy, what was your experience when you moved to a plant-based diet? Did you have some digestive issues around that or did you just make the transition overnight? How did it go? Yeah, it was, it was a sort of a slow process, but no, absolutely. I, I think in terms of my gut and um, all those, I think it was more healthy than than ever. I, there was no sort of bloating or any of that. Those oh, fantastic. For me, it was, maybe it was because it was a staggered approach. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't, you know, I didn't jump from the salad dodger to paste <laughs> instantly. You know, it took a little while to happen. But no, for me, you know, and I can tell whenever I stray from that, then I might experience that sort of bloating. But if I keep it nice and clean and, you know, on a, on a you know, real whole food plant-based diet absolutely and it's about avoiding i mean it's about avoiding not just the animal products but the processed stuff it's very easy yeah. to be a junk food vegan you know exactly um and i think the the feedback that we've had from the course now we've had i think we've had about 600 people through at this point is the community is key you talked earlier about trying to make a positive change and you know feeling like an oddball or a weirdo or the people around you maybe through no fault of their own just not being supportive so i think putting people into that online community where they can bounce things off each other and in in our case um share pictures of their food is just oh, you know which is great i'm a big fan of that as you know yeah. um it's it just helps to bring thing, people right along you know so if if, if anyone's listening to and they're really keen on discovering or learning more about microbiome or the gut health benefits and overall uh, health benefits of a healthy whole food plant-based diet head over to um happygutcourse.com and have a look see what you think and if you do choose to um, sign up, um, Andy. We've actually made a one-year no beer discount code, which oh, is all over it. Yeah, all over it. So it's um, it's um, O Y N B twenty. So O Y N B two zero for a twenty percent discount. Um, we've done our best to keep the course affordable. You get a twenty percent discount on top. So um, if if you have a look, Andy, let me know what you think. I mean, we we've had so much uh, fun doing it. And for someone who's been speaking about the benefits of a whole food plant based diet for several years now, and I've had you know individual successes in my clinic with my patients to take this message to a scale where we have several hundred people at one time going through the process. And we also have people who've been eating a plant-based diet for some time, but they really want to get into the whole food side of it because it's about prepping and making your own meals or all these lovely happy pear recipes. So we have a lot of people who are already on the plant-based wagon. They've read the evidence. They know they're there, but this is getting them right back to the whole food aspect and get rid of all the processed. Well, well that's, I tell you, all of that is so interesting to me and it's so interesting that i'm going to join that next course whenever it is I'll oh brilliant oh fantastic so if any oh. of the one you know beer members want to join me i will be on the next course 
100%. Because oh, fantastic. I've, I've just, um, we launched it in, so we worked on it through the latter half of last year. Um, so myself, Steve and David, a number, number of meetings and, you know, we, the emails were popping and we had a, we have a fantastic dietitian on the course, Rosie, um, but we had so much fun putting the course together and, you know, making sure that the science was on and that the plans were nutritionally complete. So I've, I've just finished six weeks myself. So I've just done the Happy Gut course for six weeks and, and you're in for a treat. Some of the, um, or the, the recipes are just lovely, you know, and for someone who's been a plant-based diet for a number of years, just to have that motivation to have freshly prepared whole food meals every day with all the cool recipes. I mean, Steve and Dave are geniuses of putting food together. Um, so it's really tasty food as well. And I, um, that's awesome. Like, I, that's fantastic, Andy, that you're sending out this, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, up. I'll let the, uh, the lads know as well that I'm going to be on it. Cause I, again, one, I believe in this stuff and two, I want to learn more simple as that, you know, and very much my own personal journey is about empowerment and learning and understanding either the science or reading around the subject so that then you take control, you know, you take that ownership. You're not being told what to do. It doesn't feel like it's being prescribed for you. It's something that you want to do. I just, just before we move on, I just wanted to pull out on the micro um, gut microbiome again. Yeah. <laughs> What's fascinating about this stuff, not only we're not just talking about your, your physical health here, we're talking about the influence that your second brain can have on your motivation. Again, I touched on it before while I was interested in this stuff, that we know the microbiome will influence the food choices that you make. Therefore, if you consume sugary food, for example, you will feed the type of microbiome that craves sugary food. Therefore, they can create these neurotransmitters in your stomach that actually influences your behavior. It just blows my mind. And But the thing is, the microbiome that feed on sugar are often the same microbiome that lead to depressions and anxiety. This stuff is way beyond just getting healthy in terms of your physical health it's your mental health as well everything is connected taking a break from alcohol sleep eating whole, whole food plant-based diet reducing stress it's all the same stuff it's all connected and if you want to take on your dreams and your goals right now and there's other things you want to do outside of one you know beer eating a healthy diet will help you learn the piano eating a healthy diet will help you change your career it's about connecting all these dots and the underlying message from all of this is that you create this vibrant lifestyle by doing the basics right and the way we nourish ourselves is absolutely key to that process you know andy you're you're absolutely right and it's um I mean, I'm familiar with all the research and, uh, you know, but you're, you're absolutely right. Because when it comes down to it, eating a healthy plant-based diet will help you to learn the piano. I've ne I haven't heard anyone say that before, uh, <laughs> but, but you're right. Because it, it's, I, would, I, I hear this all the time when people make that change because they feel lighter and they feel, particularly with removing animal products and removing dairy and removing processed foods, um, they feel lighter and it's not, it's not just a physical lightness. It's, it's in many ways, it's a, a, a psychological lightness. And I mean, this isn't why I embraced a whole food plant-based diet. And it was in no way the reason that I endorsed it for my patients and continue to endorse it for my patients. But, but the fact is the, the gut microbiome, yes, a healthy whole food plant-based diet is the, is the number one thing you can do to ensure that your microbiome is diverse and functional and ticking all the right boxes, whether that's producing the chemicals that help you to stay lean and control your blood sugars, whether that is not producing chemicals like TMAO, which your microbiome produces when you eat meat and eggs, 
which increases your risk of coronary vascular disease, or whether that's producing serotonin. So serotonin is a neurotransmitter in your body. And people may be familiar with it because the uh, popular antidepressants, the SSRIs like Prozac and those sorts of medications, artificially boost the action of serotonin in your body to improve your mood. 95% of your serotonin is produced where? In your gut. And who's producing it? It's your gut microbiome acting with the lining cells of your gut. So it's one big system, one big system. And uh, the more I learn about it, the more enthusiastic I am about it. I think it's so important to empower people. So doing the happy gut course, I think is a great place to start. So we'll just sort of wrap it up there, but where can we hear uh, more about you, Alan? Because, uh, you know, I've picked up on your, your Instagram and it's fantastic, by the way. So do, do let everyone know what your Instagram tag is. Just on that note, when I do the happy course, what I'll, happy gut course, what I'll probably do is share some of the photos, as you said, on my own Instagram as well, which is uh, Andy Ramage, MV for motivation, MV. Um, so Alan, tell us where we can see more or hear more from you. Yeah, the, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram at Devon Gut Doctor. So I live in Devon, down in the beautiful southwest of England, and you know, I'm a gut doctor. So it's at Devon Gut Doctor. And yes, I am one of those annoying people who posts pictures of his food, but every time I post a meal, I will give a summary of a research paper or a body of evidence that supports the fact that eating a healthy whole food plant-based diet is the way to ensure your long-term health and longevity, to avoid long-term disease and lifelong medication, be leaner, more athletic. And even, this isn't something I post on Andy, but it, you know it's true from the, med, from the evidence that if you are intent on treading more softly on our planet and reducing your impact on the environment, or if you want to exercise that most human trait of compassion and make your plate a cruelty-free plate, then a healthy whole food plant-based diet is the place to start. Yeah, we're going to have to get you back on because we didn't even touch on the environmental benefits of... Well, I, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I've read those papers. And there's a paper just published last year at a UCL showing the, uh, that if you're going to do one thing, just one change in your life to have the maximum beneficial effect on the environment. That one thing is to stop eating meat and dairy. So you're going to have a vastly, um, uh, a much more meaningful impact rather than having shorter showers or having an electric car or having solar panels on your roof. Not eating meat and dairy is by far more impactful in terms of improving um, your um, environmental footstep. But, but, you know, that's not my area of expertise. I mean, I've read a lot of those papers, but when it comes down to it, Andy, I'm a clinician. I'm a consultant gastroenterologist who sees people on a daily basis who are struggling with lifestyle disease and diseases that could easily be prevented by a healthy whole food plant-based diet. And I guess that's where my expertise lies. Fantastic. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure. And just before we go, just two things that came into my head there, Cowspiracy and What the Hell for two Netflix documentaries that you might want to check out as well on the environmental side, probably worth it. Absolutely. So um, Cowspiracy um, and Forks Over Knives as well. So um, Forks Over Knives, Cowspiracy and What the Hell are just really good entry points. Um, and if you're a real nerd and you like going deep on the science, have a look at nutritionfacts.org. That's a website run by Dr. Michael Greger, um, who runs that completely without any profit. And he just publishes really easy and interesting summaries of um, medical studies um, showing what should we eat, what shouldn't we eat. And 
as well as tuning into the One Year No Beer podcast, tune into the Rich Roll podcast. So Rich Roll, an amazing plant-based athlete who really introduced me to a number of really inspiring plant-based doctors, including Dr. Kim Williams, Dr. Garth Davis, and others. And I believe in a few weeks is going to introduce the world to a certain Mr. Andy Ramage. So yeah. check out the Rich Roll podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that is the one. The Rich Roll podcast is the one. And uh, Dr. Gregor's book as well. Uh, oh, How Not to Die. Yeah. Absolutely. And the How Not to Die cookbook. In fact, Andy, I'm going to ping you a list that you can put on the uh, show notes um, because there's so many awesome resources out there. Fantastic. And don't forget, I'm going to do the Happy Gut course in the next time it's available. Uh, the discount code is OYNB20. Come and join me. Let's let's broaden our knowledge about microbiome and a healthy gut. Thanks again, Alan. We'll get you back on the show very soon to talk about more of this subject because we could go on forever and ever, but I think it's time to let people go. Thanks, Andy. Brief speech here. Take care, man. Good man. for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One